Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi guys, welcome back to a, another episode of Believe Nuggets. This is the off-season primer episode after the Nuggets fall to the Golden State Warriors in Game 5. Me and Gage today, we're going to go over a couple of free agents targets that we would like to see what we think the Nuggets should address with the roster. We're going to talk a little bit about the press conferences that have happened over the past uh, week or so. And just in general, we're going to get into what to expect from the offseason. How are you doing today, Gage? I'm doing well, Ash. Glad to be back. I know that it's been a little while, and I'm sure that most people are like, why in the world are you guys doing a episode recapping last week's game? A week after the fact, well, Asher and I are both extremely busy and we've just had a little bit of uh, trouble kind of trying to sync up our schedules here. But no, I'm glad to be here. Uh, yeah, the Nugget season's over, but at the same time, as we kind of talked about in our first few episodes, I kind of saw the end coming. So it wasn't truly the end of the world because I knew that this Nuggets team with the injuries that they were dealing with, they were just, they were dealing with a short deck. They were going to be up against it in order to try and overcome it and try and move further along in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the, the writing was kind of on the wall after game two and after they got so close in game three and just down the stretch, they couldn't close it. That kind of sealed the deal after going down three Oh, obviously they proved a lot of that. They had a lot of fight in games three through five and the team can go out with their head held high, but you know, Things happen, seasons end, injuries, unfortunately, could not permit the Nuggets to be fully healthy this uh, playoffs, and overall, it kind of sucks that another year of prime Nikola Jokic has been kind of just tossed down the drain, but things happen, cards are drawn one way or the other, and the Nuggets just didn't get dealt the best hands this season, so we look towards next season with a really, really good quote from Jokic saying that he will sign the Supermax if he is given uh, the offer. And I can't imagine that the Cronkies, that Conley, that Mike Malone, anyone is itching to not offer Jokic a contract that he would sign. So with Nikola Jokic probably coming back on the biggest contract in NBA history, what do you think about that, Gage? What What is your thoughts on him coming back on, I believe, a five-year, what is it, 246, something like that? Somewhere around there. Um, blank check in hand of it. I, I, there's, no, there's no world that it makes any sense to not pay him. Um, for those that follow the Denver Stiffs, who Asher and I both, both work with, Talked about it on last on that uh, episode of that show last week after the team had lost Game Five. You go to you go to Jokic, you hand him a blank check, you say fill it in, and you and you call it a day. He has done everything to earn it. He is he is one one MVP. He's likely going to win a be crowned for a second straight MVP. He has never complained. He has actively tried to enjoy being in the city of Denver. He was at the Colorado Avalanche first playoff game the other night wearing an Avalanche jersey, which was absolutely comical considering he's so big and hockey players generally aren't seven foot tall. So 
you have a guy, you have a superstar that wants to be there. He's done everything right. He has represented the city well. He has never given you a reason to not give him the contract worth the most money ever. So you go to him with a blank check and you just say, there you go. Whatever, whatever number you feel is right, we'll pay it. And there shouldn't be any other discussion around it. Yeah, he is the best Denver Nugget of all time. He wants to be here. There's no reason to not give him anything he wants. If he wanted part ownership of the team, you give him it. If he want anything he wants, you give him it. And with him probably signing that extension, that will hold him down through, I believe, 2027 or 2028. And that frees up like long-term security. That gives you the knowledge that you will have a top three player in the NBA for years to come. And you can start trading future assets like more than what they already have, such as a 2027 first. I know they can trade. I believe the after that, the next one they can trade is the 2029 first. And because of the Sepian rule, they can't trade consecutive first round picks. So that's why they are locked in to not being able to trade their first rounders until 2027, or they could trade this uh, this year's first rounder, but it would have to be on draft night. So with all that, it, it shows that Denver will be setting their eyes on title contention yet again. And the goal is to win the championship in the Yoko Chera. And to do that, there are some holes on this roster they need to address. The first and most obvious one being perimeter defense, I, I think. Are you in agreement there that that is the biggest uh, need that they need to address this offseason? Yeah, no doubt about it. That is the team's biggest priority, needs to be the team's biggest priority this offseason is addressing perimeter defense. There are, I'm looking through the free agent list right now in terms of unrestricted free agents. There aren't a ton of guys that are necessarily good on both ends. So there are a few guys that are, good on defense or good on offense, not really a ton of both. Um, and it needs to be a priority for Denver to go out and actively hunt defensive-minded wings and defensive-minded guards because they will get enough scoring. Assuming, Let's assume Michael Porter Jr. comes back and he's playing 80% of his regular minutes because I know that they there's a lot of dis, like rumors around the fact that they're going to try and limit the amount of minutes that he gets to try and keep him healthy. So we'll go ahead and we'll call him 80, 80% of the time. Zeke Naji can kind of fill in the other 20%. And whoever else they get out there, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, whoever comes back, they'll figure that out. You have Jokic, Murray will be back. You, you, the offense will figure itself out. You need to sort out defense right now because the roster you have ain't it. it it's not – There's there needs to be serious cosmetic work done to figure out how to make the defense a plus rather than a constant negative that the offense has to make up for. Yeah. And there are, as you mentioned, not a, not a ton of guys there, but there are a few, namely a couple that I've seen tossed around are Bruce Brown and Gary Payton second, be it Gary Payton, the second just fractured his elbow. And I'm not exactly sure on timetables on elbow injuries, but he could that that could be a little serious, but I don't think it would make him miss time going into next season. However, I think both of those guys are going to be a little out of Denver's price range. Uh, 
considering they are going to be more than likely in the tax paying uh, mid-level as like their biggest their biggest ability to spend will come from the taxpayer mid-level exception. And the most they can give is uh, three years, 20.1 million, give or take a little bit. And with that, I, I think those two are out of their price range considering Gary Payton has put together a good playoff run up until he got injured off that dirty play by Dylan Brooks. And, I think Bruce Brown played his way into a bigger deal than that as well. The other avenues of which they could add through free agency is the biannual exception because that is expiring with Faku Composite coming off the books. So they can use the biannual again and they could do sign in trades or they can sign them to a minimum deals. So with that being said, the, the list of perimeter defenders is already shallow and the ones that fit those specific like qualifications are not a ton. Some that I would look as as potential targets are like DeLon Wright. He's a fine, he's like a good ish defender and has some offensive juice. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. is one I've seen tossed around that I kind of like. Any any specific ones stand out to you? Uh, there is there's at least one. Josh Jackson, former first round mm-hmm. pick, former very high draft pick, has kind of bounced around the league a little bit. He's never really been the the three and D wing that he was drafted to be. He's always he's just struggled to develop a three point shot. He's played in Detroit. He's played. He was obviously with Phoenix uh, for his first four years. He just he's never quite. And he was in Sacramento this last season. Just never quite put it all together, but he's still he's still only twenty five. Like he and he just turned twenty five. He's twenty five as of this recording on Wednesday afternoon slash evening. He's twenty five years, eighty nine days. So he's he's still young. He's been around the league a little bit. He's been humbled by getting bounced to team after team after team. And you can get a guy who knows how to play good defense. Like that's, that is all he knows how to do is play defense. He averaged 1.04, like as a rookie, he averaged 1.04 steals per game, 0.45 blocks. He's hovered around between a half and a full steal all four years. Just his minutes have gone down. So therefore his per game numbers obviously have gone down. He's a guy that's probably going to be really cheap. You're not going to have to pay a ton of money to get him. So you get a guy with length that is, that's not going to require starter minutes. And he's going to be cheap. That's I don't see any problem with getting a guy like that. Yeah, I think that Josh Jackson has kind of proved that he has a role in the league over the past couple of seasons. He found himself nearly out of the league, but then in Detroit, kind of turned it around. Played pretty good defense. He had a bit of shot creation there, and I think next to Jokic, he could be a pretty good play finisher as well. I could see him kind of filling in like a Tory Craig or PJ Dozier role on defense where you just kind of stick him on point of attack and he is more inserviceable there. And then on offense, you know, do what he can around Jokic. Another, uh, another name I'll quickly mention is Dante DiVincenzo. I think he could be someone who the Nuggets could get under like a, a taxpayer mid-level. 
he played not good this season. He was not what he was in Milwaukee when he came back for Sacramento. But if he can get back from like injury fully, he's a good shooter. He is a good defender. He can do a little bit of everything. He is a guy that, you know, could come in and kind of make an impact. There's PJ Dozier, who there's been buzz for him to come back. And as much as I would love to see him back in Denver, it seems like he wants to be back in Denver. It A lot of the guys in Denver want him back, it seems. Uh, it's just a question of whether Denver would uh, risk a roster spot on him because he tore his his uh, ACL in November, like late November. So his timeline to return would probably be somewhere around January, February. And whether the Nuggets would want to wait that out or not, it remains to be seen. But I know that there's interest from Dozier. He's liked tweets about him coming back. You know, he was at the playoff game. He was at game five or game four, rather. But uh, yeah, there's that. One other name at the guard spot that I think is going to, I don't know what his market's going to be because he's, again, and it's another like reclamation project, but it's also a reclamation project that I think is going to be available because of other contracts. Mm-hmm. Frank Nielakina, who Frank Nielakina currently with Dallas. Dallas is getting ready to have to pay Jalen Brunson. They already have Dinwiddie. Obviously, they have Luka. They're not going to be able to afford to keep Neil Akina. He's an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Again, former first-round pick. He has been a great defender in the NBA. He can't really play a ton of offense, but he can kind of initiate a little bit. So it gives you another ball handler off the bench to play alongside uh, Bones and Monte Morris. Um he also and he can play defense and he can play defense as a point of attack guard, which and he's got a ton of size. He's six five for those that don't remember. He's six five, I believe, if I remember correctly, his wingspan was six nine. I believe it was either six nine, six ten, something like that. It was crazy long arms. So you have a guard that can play point of attack defense. He's got a little bit of NBA experience. He's been around the league surprisingly for four years now. I didn't realize he had been in the league for that long, but he in fact has. So that's another name. And again, he's going to be super cheap. He only cost a million dollars this past season for the for the Mavericks. And I don't think they're going to be able to retain him. It just kind of depends on what other teams are going to. And I think that he'd fit in well in Denver because not only can he kind of body check or can he go with like smaller regular point guards, he can also maybe switch on to shooting guards in some situations just due to his, uh, his incredible length. Yeah, his wingspan is actually seven one. I just looked it up, and I did not realize that his arms were that damn long. I knew he, yeah. I knew they were long, but I did not realize it was that extensive. Yeah, he is he is uh, someone with an extremely long wingspan, but yeah, he is a really good defender. Uh, you could probably get him on a minimum deal, and I mean, with Denver's player development staff being what they are, which is a good player development staff. And also they also have no problems developing foreign, uh, like foreign and international players as well. Yeah. Obviously, we have had Jokic, Chanchar, um, Faku for the last couple of years. Jamal Murray technically is from Canada. Is from Canada. I almost said it wrong. My my apologies to those listening. <laughs> Wancho. There's been plenty of guys from other countries to come. Yurcev Nurkic. Plenty of guys to come through the team from other countries mm-hmm. that have played well and developed here and. 
if he just has to come in, there's no expectations of him to be, hey, you're going to be former top 10 pick. You're No, it's going to be, hey, come in, play winning basketball for a team that's trying to compete for titles and just do your job, and the city will love you if you come here. So, Yeah, like he could probably fill in in that Shaq Harrison role that we saw Shaq play last season. And he is bigger, longer, and has a bit more offensive juice to him than Shaq Harrison did. So if you could get him on like a minimum deal, I think that's a fine use of a roster spot. He's like your fifth guard, fourth guard, something like that. Just throw him out whenever you need a stout perimeter defender, and he could be that for you. As far as uh, anything, anyone else that you would be like, hey, yeah, that's that's a guy. I mean, there's Isaac Bonga, who's a small forward, an unrestricted free agent from Toronto. Uh, I mean, played he was super cheap last year. Only he's only played three years in the league. I don't know necessarily that the Toronto is going to be chopping at the bit to keep him. And I'm again just always I'm just focused on more guys with length with defensive minded tendencies. Bonga has never been a great shooter. At any point in time, he's got a career 30% shooter from three-point range, only played in 15 games this, this past year, averaged 0. 0.8 points per game, 0. 0.5 rebounds, and 0. 0.3 assists. Only averaged 0. 0.5 steals, but he's a defensive-minded guy. That's where his focus is at. He had a In 69 minutes, he had a 5.0 defensive box plus minus. I understand that that's an extremely small sample size, but even in one in one season with Washington is one season where he played extensive minutes. He played 66 games in 2019, uh, 12, 1,250 minutes. He had a just negative 0.1 PER and everyone's like, well, negative 0.1 PER. That's terrible. Well, he was often playing against starters in Denver. He'd be coming off the bench. He'd be in a secondary role. So he's going to have easier matchups and he'll also be playing around better players. So that just will inherently raise his metric up. You have to factor in. He was playing in Washington. It was not very good. If I remember correctly, they didn't make the playoffs. They were a top 10 worst team that season. So that's just another guy that has has some size on him. He's 6'8". He's, only, he's listed at 180 pounds. I feel like he's a little bit more dense than that, but he's at least got good length. Yeah. So now that we've talked a bit about um, the free agency pool and some players Denver could target, let's talk about some trade targets that Denver could potentially have. Recently, uh, Statsquatch on Twitter, he put out a great offseason primer. You should go read it. He does it annually. He does a great job at it. Uh, his at is Squatch on Twitter. He put out a couple of guys in that that I found to be interesting. Chief among them for me was Josh Hart. I think if you could pry him from Portland in an effort for Portland to, you know, get cap or whatever, I think he would be someone who would be like very, very good in Denver system. He's someone I would move draft picks for. He's someone I would move role players for. He's a guy who is a very good defender, very good shooter, has some shot creation ability that we saw in Portland. He had a lot of flashes in Portland, and it was kind of funny because Portland was kind of a bitch to beat a lot of the time because of Josh Hart. Like He 
had a 40 point game in Portland and it with him, he can contribute to a winning team. He's a very good off ball player. He is someone on defense who you could put on point of attack. He's a fine off ball defender. And I think if you can chalk him in and Will Barton's starting spot, because the move that was used in uh, Jake's uh, offseason primer was Will Barton, a 2022 first and a 2027 first round pick swap for Josh Hart. Uh, and Barton was traded to Portland as well. And I think I would probably do that because Josh Hart is really good. He's on a good contract. He is someone who can immediately come in, fill in what Denver needs, and uh, just overall be a better fit, I think, than Will Barton because Barton still has juice to him, but he has taken a step back this season. A lot of the wear and tear of the season got on him. He took a step back defensively because he was a very, very negative presence on defense this season. He just, next to Jamal, MPJ, Jokic, Gordon, I don't think his shot creation is what Denver needs going forward. I think they need more uh, pure shooting, like pure catch and shoot shooter and defense. And Josh Hart fits that role pretty perfectly. So any any trade targets, any thoughts on Hart? Something like that. On the one hand, I feel like you might be giving up a little much for him. But on the other hand, I love Josh Hart. And I would have no problems with adding him to Denver. I loved him when he was with the Lakers. I loved him when he was in New Orleans. And the main thing I loved was when he got to Portland. And we finally got to see him play in an offensive system where he had room to work. I mean, we when in New Orleans, he was playing with Jonas, who has little to no ability to space the floor. Brandon Ingram never really has developed an outside shot. CJ McCollum can shoot a little bit. or Well, actually, I, let me rephrase. CJ McCollum was obviously who he was traded for. So it was just there was never a ton of shooting around him when he was there. Then he got to Portland, and it was, hey, go out, chuck shots. And he turned into a great three-point shooter. And it's like, hey, crazy. This guy could be a three-point shooter the whole time. You just never gave him the opportunity to do so. I thought that it was a – I the, the one thing that kind of scares me, I don't know if Portland's going to be willing to trade him away because he's good. He's a good young-ish building block. I mean, he's not – he's definitely not on the – like the prime – like he's – but he's only 27. He's not super old. He's old for a guy that's only played on one contract or is only on his second contract, but he's not hes not that old. He could easily be around for another few years for them to try and build and develop. But if he's available, I, w- I could see moving Barton and two picks and doing a pick and then a pick swap for him. I don't think it'd be the worst move. I think it might be a little much. I would probably be, I would probably try and go for just Barton and a first for him over moving Barton and then effectively a pick like two picks but i'm not gonna get nitpicky over a guy that i think would like you said fit in well with denver he could i think he could start for you or come off the bench and just he could fill whatever role you needed if you need a guy to create a shot he can do that if you need a guy to run the offense a little bit he can do that as well so definitely wouldn't be a bad bad move at all 
Yeah, it's certainly on the more expensive side of deals that could be made, but that was the one that I was like, ooh, I'd really like it if Denver did that. Other deals that were uh, like proposed were a first-round pick for Jayshon Tate, and if I'm Denver and Houston would be amicable to do that move, I would do that because Jayshon brings shooting, he brings defense, and as we've talked about, those those players are not super available in free agency. And even if they are, Denver doesn't have a m- much money to spend in free agency. And also Denver is not a free agent destination. So even if they did have the money, they might not get those guys. Jay Sean is someone who he's not like an elite shooter, but he's passable. He is someone who is like really solid on defense. He's... 6'4", but he's been playing small forward for Houston. He is able to guard one through threes pretty well. And there are a couple other guys, but those... Jay Sean is someone who I think is pretty realistic for Denver to get, be it... uh, I'm not sure if Houston trades him, but if they do, I think Denver should definitely throw their hat in the ring there. Any other trade targets that you would specifically look for if you're Denver? At this moment, no. I, but then again, it's mostly just because I don't know who really is avail- like super available. Right now, we haven't really heard a ton of, oh, this guy is really unhappy. He wants to be moved. I like the idea of Jay Sean Tate, though, for a couple of reasons. I think that he's a one, – one main reason being I think he's what you want Will Barton to be. I think he's a better defender right now. I think that he is a more willing offensive creator. I know that he, that Jay Sean Tate along with John Tay Porter were running the, running the offense for Houston at times this season. And Tate is willing to do that. He's a willing passer. He's not always hunting his own shot. He can, like you said, can defend multiple positions. So I think he almost gives you a younger, more, more willing version of what you want Will Barton to be now. And he's also financially cheaper. Granted, again, we don't know if the, that Houston would be willing to move him. He is only he'll turn twenty seven uh, later this year in October, so he's not complete. He's not super old, so it just kind of depends on how aggressive Houston is and like, oh, we just want to go super young. And if they think that Tate doesn't fit their timeline to be competitive, yeah. And all of these moves are assuming that Jeff Green and Jamichael Green both pick up their player options, which I think is almost guaranteed in Jamichael's case and pretty likely in Jeff's. I wouldn't be shocked if Denver looked to move them if they did pick up their options because I think both Greens were a little underwhelming this season. I think both are getting older. Both are taking up rotation spots that could be filled by other players better than them, I think. Like, I think Zeke Naji would be someone who could fill in either role better than either of the Greens filled in this season. And we saw a lot of that uh, percolating before, obviously, Zeke Naji was dealing with that knee injury. And by the time the playoffs rolled around, there just wasn't enough ramp up for Zeke to play consistently in that sort of environment. But I think... Zeke can fill in at one of those backup forward spots next season because he showed to be a really good shooter these first two seasons and Denver needs shooting. Jeff Green shot 30% from three, and I think Jermichael was a similar percentage. 
Neither of them were good shooters when both of them were advertised as such. And Denver needs their shooting. They need guys who can't be left open because if they can be left open, they can just bring doubles to Jokic. And obviously that makes Jokic's job harder. And, you know, you just want to make it as easy as you can for Joker. But I think those two, what do you think Denver should do with those two? I mean, if it was me, I would only bring back one of them. Uh, or, well, obviously, I understand that, like, they have player options, so it's a little harder to bring back. Only, like, you can't just choose one. You can't just say, hey, can you decline your player option for me? That'd be great. If I had my pick, though, I would rather Jeff come back than Jamichael. I think that Jamichael brings you more energy, but I think Jeff is just the better player. Uh, I think that he also brings a veteran leadership to the locker room. Obviously, he's been around the block a time or two or three at this point in his career. Um, and when he's playing well, he brings you a great brand of basketball. He has the he has a little bit of an ability to stretch the floor. He kind of struggled with the shot this year, but he when he's on, he can shoot well. He can provide you some length in the front court. He gives you a guy that's able to space the floor out a little bit from Jokic. He doesn't require a ton of shots. And ideally, he's coming off the bench for you. The problem with him this year was as a starter. And as we've learned throughout to this point in his career, he's not necessarily a starter. So if you can have it your way, you have Jeff as your as one of your backup power forwards. I would ideally like to see Zeke Naji as the primary power forward off the bench next season, assuming no crazy other additions happen. But Najee is the one that I would like to put in that role because when he's out there and he's playing well, especially alongside Jokic, he is he's abs- he's everything you need. He's a guy that can stand still and knock down jump shots at a very, very high clip. Among rotation players for, for Denver this year, he was first in three-point percentage. I believe he shot 46% from three-point range. It was, it was either 46% or pre- very, very close to it. Um, he was fantastic when he was on the floor, and it just sucked that he was unable to be out there for the final half of the season due to that knee injury that just never went away. Um, when he's but when he's been out there, he's been great. Uh, in his best in his best game of the year against the New York Knicks in December, he was playing with Jokic for a lot of those minutes. He had of his five threes that he hit, two of them were assisted by Jokic. He had two more that he missed that were off of Jokic's feet. He fits in perfectly. I would love for him to be the primary power forward off the bench. Obviously, I can't have it the way that I want all the time, or the team would probably play much differently. But that's how I would kind of break it down: is I would want Jeff to come back. I would be okay with Jamal kind of seeking the open market, and then just give a lot of min- more minutes to Najee starting next year. Yep, I agree. Ideally, I'd want one of them back, but Jeff. Uh, Jeff Green has a player option for, I believe, close to $5 million, and Jamichael Green has a player option that is worth $8.2 million. and I think that is way more than Jamichael would get on the open market, and I think Jeff probably wants stability. If I had to guess, he is more likely to decline his option than Jamichael, but I think both of them likely pick up their options. I think Jeff Green would have more trade value on the trade market, and I wouldn't be shocked if you know Conley explored options for either of them, be it for players or you know like second round picks, whatever, whatever Conley brews up. It's 
it's Tim. We don't know because he kind of comes out of nowhere with the trades he makes. But as far as the other players go, the only other expiring deals are Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, DeMarcus Cousins, and Flatco, I want to say, is also expiring, um, as well as Marcus Howard and Bryn Forbes. With all those guys, I who would who of that free agency pool would you like to see back in Denver next season? Um, well, we all know my thoughts on Faku. Uh, I think the only one of that group that I would be excited to bring back would be Bryn Forbes. Um, I know that there's going to be a lot of people who would want to bring back Vlatko. I personally don't see the reason other than he and Jokic get along and he's Jokic's friend. And if it keeps Jokic happy, it keeps Jokic happy, and that's a good thing. But I haven't really seen a ton from Vlatko in my time covering the team to necessitate bringing him back. I don't know what he necessarily adds to the roster that you can't find somewhere else. Um, but I think Brent Forbes gives you more offense or just more, just he gives you more offense off the bench and an ability to create his own shot, which is something you kind of lacked without with Faku as your, one of your bench guards over the last few, over the last two seasons, when Faku has been out there, he's just not great at creating his own shot. Brent Forbes can at least do that. He's kind of, he kind of struggled down the stretch of the season. One of the main reasons he saw the bench was not only shot, not falling, but also defensive struggles. His defense isn't going to be fixed. And if you are unable to add, more defenders in his place and you just can't recruit anybody else to fill that spot. I just bring back Forbes and be like, here you go. We'll just make you an offensive score off the bench. And all you got to do is come out and put up points when you're out here. But other than that, I don't really, I'm not really chomping at the bit to bring back anybody from that group because they're, there's just, I'm not, I don't see the need to bring him back. So, I don't agree that the Nuggets should be interested in bringing Bryn Forbes back. I understand the appeal of a shooter, but he is such a turnstile on defense that any points he does make, most of the time he's giving it up on literally the next possession. And I think as far as the other players in that player pool, I would bring back Austin Rivers if I was the Nuggets. I'd be interested in bringing him back. He has gotten along very well in the locker room. He's been very, very good off the court for Denver. And on the court, he provides good point of attack defense, which is something that the Nuggets are lacking. And he has had stretches where he's made shots. He's a very streaky shooter, though. He has had very inconsistent shooting stretches. He's either making a ton of them or making none of them. And... I think there's something to be said about him being Denver's best point of attack defender, but he was able to disrupt a lot of things that the Warriors were trying to do once he got extended minutes in the playoffs. And you don't see a ton of that on the roster currently. And with Denver's limited options, I think I'd be pretty interested in bringing him back, especially considering the mutual interest. As far as DeMarcus Cousins goes, DeMarcus provided a good amount for Denver, but there are questions about his finishing, about his defense. I think given his physical limitations now because of the injuries he's gone through, he did well on defense, but also there's the injury concerns with him. There is 
there's not even a hard commit from either side that he wants to be back or that the team wants him back. There have been quotes where he says he was very grateful for the opportunity, but it didn't sound like a, oh, I want to be back in Denver 100% next season. Sign me up right now. And Calvin Booth, who was the Nuggets GM, said that they're going to reach out to his agents and see if there's any common ground, which doesn't exactly seem like the most concrete sort of answer. And I think that you obviously let Faku go. I think if Jokic wants Vlatko back, bring Vlatko back. But outside of that, I, I don't see any sort of players that I would want back. Another one I forgot to mention is that uh, Devon Reed's deal is up, but he is restricted apparently. And I don't see Denver letting him go. There's interest from Denver. Uh, Conley said that he is going to look to bring Devon back. So I think you want him back if he is, you know, if he, because he provides the shooting that Denver doesn't have right now. He provides good defense. So I think you want Devon Reed back. But yeah, this isn't a super intriguing like pool of players to bring back. I must have missed you say uh, Austin Rivers the first time when you went through the names. I definitely wouldn't mind bringing Austin Rivers back, and I would definitely choose him over Bryn Forbes. Austin Rivers wants to be in Denver you can't exactly get people to come to Denver. So if you've got a guy that wants to be there who can give you occasionally decent play off the bench, you do that. Following up, DeMarcus, we, you and I talked about it a little bit before the pod got started that he does, like you said, he doesn't exactly, he's not exactly making it clear that he wants to be back in Denver. Denver's also not exactly making it glowing that they're like, yeah, we absolutely want to bring him back no matter what. Devon Reed, though, that's a guy I want to bring back. I think Devon Reed plays good basketball, and I think he gives you something that literally every team in the league needs, which is a 3-and-D wing. Everybody wants one. Nobody can ever find one. You have one. Now don't let him walk out the door. Just go pay him. Yeah, and he also showed off-the-dribble kind of juice, which was interesting to see. I. He doesn't look like someone, he doesn't play like someone who would be a mid-range guy, but he converted on a lot of his mid-range shots whenever he had the opportunity to. So Devon Reed, would love to see him back. And I think that will be all that we cover in today's pod. In future pods, we will be covering more specific free agent targets, more specific trade ideas, uh, and obviously... The draft, once we get closer to draft time, it is still a month and a half out, give or take. So there's a lot of time before then to get into guys who we would like to see Denver go after. But yeah, anything else you would like to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, no, I don't really have much else to add. Obviously, the, it's a long offseason ahead. The second round of the playoffs are currently in full swing, so we have plenty of time to really get deep into this offseason, really figure out what players might be on the move this offseason, who Denver will be able to afford. So I, but for now, I think, uh, I think we've about covered it. Cool. Well, you can find both of us on Twitter. You can find Gage at 
Gage Bridgeford NFL. No, nope, at G Bridgeford NFL. Just at G Bridgeford NFL. That's the one. You can find me at Asher Levy NBA. You can find both of our work at Denver Stiffs for Nuggets articles. And we've been we've been your co-host today. Thank you for listening. Make sure to ra- uh, rate, like, subscribe, whatever happens on whatever po- podcast platform you're listening on. Uh, rate us five stars. Download. Do whatever you can do to support the show. It's much appreciated. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.